right, good morning. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. You know, did you, did you know that Father's Day actually started on Mother's Day? Did you guys know that? That a woman on Mother's Day started Father's Day. A woman named Sonora Dodd in the early 1900s was sitting in church with her father uh, who had raised her and her five siblings after their mother had passed. So he's there, she's there on Mother's Day and she says, you know what, dads need to be honored too. So I'm going to give just a big shout out to all the dads who are here this morning setting the example because you chose to honor our Heavenly Father first. So props to you guys, all right? You know, because I'm going to actually sit on this chair today. We're going to change things up a little bit. And maybe you can see over my head. But, um, you know, it's not easy to get guys to come to church on Father's Day. Last week, I shared some of those statistics, you know, a poll that said that Father's Day and Independence Day were the two least attended Sundays all year. And that's even more troubling when you consider that the 4th of July only falls on Sunday once every seven years. You know, and some of that is probably because your typical Father's Day message at church. You know, on Mother's Day, we love on our moms, but on Father's Day, we lecture our dads. You know, we, we bring them in, we tell them they've dropped the ball, they need to shape up. You know, is it any wonder that most dads choose the fishing trip over the church trip on a day that's meant to honor them? You know, one article I read went so far as to say, don't even bother preaching a special Father's Day message because not many men will be there to hear it. Don't try to celebrate men on the Sunday they are least likely to be there. Well, that just, that dog ain't going to hunt. That's not going to work. I'm not going to lecture, but we are going to talk to dads today. You know, I, I want to, I don't want to lecture dads. I want to lift dads up. I want to encourage dads. I want to share the encouragement from God's word. You know, and then maybe one day, Independence Day can be by itself on the bottom of that list. Well, you know, I mean, honestly, I'd rather see every Sunday be like Christmas and Easter attendance, but let's just start with Father's Day, all right? We'll start there and work our way up. One other little side note, I just thought that this was funny as I was researching these statistics, right? There's statistics on everything, but it, there was a list that had reasons for why attendance is low on Sundays, a, a list of different things. And one of the responses was bad weather. And I, I guess I kind of get that, but bad weather is also pretty subjective. I mean, are we talking about like a foot of snow or a cloudy day? Like, what's, what's the reason? And beyond that, the very next reason was good weather. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> bad weather, good weather. All right, enough about the weather. Let's talk about dads. So, you know, I want to specifically address you dads today. And if you aren't a dad, please don't tune me out, because what we're going to talk about applies to everyone here, all right? You know, it is Father's Day, though, so I'm going to focus on dads. And I'm, I'm not, please know I'm not trying to, to elevate a father's role or to diminish a mother's role, but there's a lot put on dads when it comes to raising a child. Um, and I think there's a good reason for that. Pastor John touched on it earlier. You know, there, there are actually a couple of good reasons that so much is put on dads. And that first one is just like John said, because a child's view of God is often shaped by their relationship with their father. That's important. But it's also because, you know what, a daughter is going to grow up and marry a man one day. And she needs to know what kind of man to look for. And it's also because a son will grow up to marry a woman one day. 
and he needs to know what kind of man he's supposed to be. That's why there's a lot put on dads. What we're really talking about here is the legacy of a father. And, you know, legacy is something that we pass down from generation to generation. We all receive a legacy, but we also pass one on. And, you know, I'm not talking about a material inheritance. I'm talking about a spiritual legacy. Because a spiritual legacy is about more than just the stuff that you accumulate and leave to someone else. A spiritual legacy is about the impact that you can, the eternal impact that you can make on someone else's life. And I know that Father's Day is not a great day for everyone. Not all legacies are positive. You know, there could be struggles, there could be challenges, there could be abuse or loss that all work to define that legacy. But you know what, the legacy that you've inherited does not have to be the legacy that you pass on. You know, Christina and I have two sons. Uh, Our oldest son, Kyle, and his wife, Stephanie, are uh, in the Air Force and they're stationed in Omaha, Nebraska. Our youngest son, Connor, works here for the church um, with the AVL team. He's sitting back there, so if everyone's turn around and embarrass him. Yep, that's it. Yep. All right. But you know what? I I want the best for my boys. And you know what? I guess they're men now. Our baby is 22, getting ready to be 23. They're men now, right? But they're always going to be my boys. I'm proud of the men that they've become, but they're always going to be my boys. I want what's best for them. I want them to be happy. I want them to be successful. I want them to have everything that they need. But even more than that, I want them to have a relationship with Jesus. Happiness and success come and go. Needs and wants change. But Jesus is forever. The thing is, when it comes to wanting my boys to know Jesus, I can't just sit around and hope that that happens. I need to create a spiritual legacy that will point them to Jesus. And I'll be honest, you know, I haven't always done the greatest job with that legacy. The good news is that a legacy isn't built overnight. It takes time. So I'm going to continue to work on building that legacy that will lead my boys to Christ, that will disciple them to follow Christ, and one that will show them what it looks like to be a Christian man. And I give thanks to God every single day that both of my boys know Jesus as their Savior. But that does not mean that I get to go on cruise control now. Building a legacy doesn't stop there. Discipling them to continue to follow Christ and and demonstrating to them how to live for Christ will be something I do until the Lord calls me home. That's the legacy I want to pass on. That's the legacy I received from my dad who's here this morning. My family surprised me, kind of. Um, But, you know, my dad showed me what it looks like to be a Christian man, a Christian husband, a Christian father. And that's the legacy that I want to pass on to my boys because my thing is I wish I had realized the legacy that he had passed on sooner when my boys were younger. But you know what? God's a merciful God. God is a gracious God, and it's never too late to create a lasting legacy. And I realize that saying it is one thing, but doing it is another. 
Thankfully, we have an instruction book to help us. Today, I want to focus on Proverbs. Because Proverbs was written by Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. You know, Proverbs is basically a textbook for teaching people how to live godly lives. But more specifically than that, it is actually a parenting manual written by a father to his children. Throughout the book, Solomon says over and over, he says, uh, my son, my child, my children. So it's not so much a book for philosophers to ponder philosophy. It's really a book of practical wisdom for parents to practice. That's a lot of peace. But, you know, that, that wisdom that Solomon offers is, it's offered in short sayings that take the place of a long sermon because they're easy to remember that way. And I'm sure some of you are hoping that I take a hint from that and use some short sayings instead of long sermons, but I'm not as wise as he was, so we'll see. So let's, kinda, let's look at what Proverbs says about creating a, a lasting legacy. You know, and the first key to that legacy, the foundation to it, is a father's instruction. Proverbs 3.1 says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. And then in Proverbs 5.1, he says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise, wise counsel. I feel like that's kind of like Solomon's way of saying, because I told you so. If you ask why, it's because I told you so. Listen to my wise counsel. All the dads, that's what you've got to say from now on. Son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen to my wise counsel. But, you know, I, I like to think that instruction really has two parts. There's teaching and there's training. And I know those sound a lot alike, but let me give you an example of why there's a, a little difference to those things. So I was a police officer in Prince William County for about 10 years. And my last assignment with the department was as an instructor at the police academy. My job was to instruct p police recruits in basic police principles and procedures, things like defensive tactics, um, traffic stops, report writing, radio, you name it, we taught all of those things. And each block of instruction always started with classroom teaching. But then it was followed up by hands-on training. You know, I could tell the recruits how to do an armbar takedown in the classroom, but it really came home when I showed them how to do it in the practical training. The training reinforces the teaching. So teaching becomes that foundation for our instruction. And as dads, our teaching informs and equips our children because it clearly communicates those fundamentals, those godly principles. It's important that we tell them. We also have to show them. In Ephesians 6, Paul says that fathers should bring up their children in the training and admonition of the Lord. Not just take them to church on Sunday, not just enroll them in Christian schools, but teach them the spiritual truths of the Bible. Teach them to read the Bible. Teach them to pray. Teach them to love and obey the Lord. You know, the church is here to help. But on average, a church will only see your child 40 to 50 hours a year. So it's important that we as fathers, as parents, take the lead in teaching our children. Because, you know, you've got to let those things, the things you teach should be reinforced at church and at school. 
It shouldn't be the first place they hear it. Because the biggest concern is that if we don't teach our children to follow Christ, the world will teach them not to. The instruction informs them. It equips equips them. It's the foundation of the legacy. But Paul also said admonition. Admonition means correction. That's the second part of our legacy, a father's correction. Look at Proverbs 4.1. He says, my children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. And in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 11, he says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline, and don't be upset when he corrects you. Correction builds on the, con- on the instruction, right? Instruction is a continuing process that's guided by correction. And, you know, as an instructor, I used to spend about an hour teaching in the classroom, probably a lot less than an hour demonstrating, but I spent hour after hour after hour observing and correcting. Correction also includes discipline. Both correction and discipline are part of our our teaching and training. You know, police recruits, um, they get to run laps or do push-ups. That's their correction. Uh, Let's call it... um, correctional instruction reinforcement. Let's call it that. All right? But that may not work for your kids. And I know that discipline can be a touchy subject because it usually carries some negative connotations with it because there's usually an important piece of discipline missing. Love. Discipline without love walks a fine line towards abuse. Godly parents don't withhold loving discipline from their children. The more you love, the more that you will correct what is wrong and train what is right. Remember what Paul said, training and admonition is our job. We have the primary responsibility for instructing and correcting. And you don't show love by overlooking disobedience or by neglecting the discipline. And there are really, there, there are two types of discipline that, that are absolutely necessary when it comes to healthy correction. You have corrective discipline and you have pre- preventative discipline. And children need both. Correct what is wrong, but then prevent other issues. Prevent other issues by spending time with them, talking with them, encouraging, encouraging them, but most of all by telling them and showing them that you love them. You know, think about this example. If I were to go to the doctor's office for a cut that needed to be stitched, the stitches are the corrective discipline. The antibiotics they gave me is the preventative discipline. You need both. We need both in, uh, in our lives as well. Instruction, it continues through correction, but it requires love. And that's the third key to a legacy, is a father's affection. In Proverbs 3.12, Solomon writes this. He says, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Affection is important because it gives a child assurance. That assurance comes from knowing that they are loved and that that love will always be there. So if you think about it, instruction informs and equips. Correction adjusts and strengthens. 
and then affection assures and stabilizes. But it all builds off of the instruction. It has to start with the instruction. It, it grows through correction, but it's all held together by love. A father's love is important to the emotional well-being of a child. There, there was an analysis that looked at over a hundred different studies on parent-child relationships. And it found that a, having a loving, nurturing father was as important for a child's uh, happiness, well-being, and social and academic success as having a loving and nurturing mother. Now, a dad's job is not just to provide and protect. It's also to love and to nurture. And now, it might not look like how mom loves and nurtures, but we are still there to love and nurture. And I know we can do it because 1 John 4.19 tells us how we can do it. It says we love because he first loved us. Our capacity to love is only possible because God loved us first. Love starts with God. We are, we are filled with our love when we put our, we are filled with his love when we put our trust in him. And then that love overflows from us to others. So a father's instruction, a father's correction, and a father's affection, these these are really the three key components that put us on a path to creating a lasting spiritual legacy. It's important that you strengthen that legacy too. Strengthen your spiritual legacy with spiritual leadership. Joshua 24, 15, the last part of that verse says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Like Joshua, we have to choose who or what we're gonna follow. And like Joshua, when we make that commitment to follow God, then we have to set the example where it matters most. As for me and my house, it starts at our house. Live it out at home. When you live it out at home, you create a legacy. You create the legacy that Joel writes about in Joel chapter 1, verse 3. He says, tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. Show it and then share it. That's a lasting legacy. And that lasting spiritual legacy, it will make those inheritors richer than any material inheritance ever could. Dads, you play an important role in shaping that legacy. I want to share this story um, from a pastor named George Washington Truett. Truett was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas from 1897 to 1944. And I'm just going to read this, this story. Truett told about a 16-year-old boy who came the first three nights to his revival service. At the end of each service, when Truett asked those to raise their hands if they wanted him to pray for them, this teenager would lift his hand. The fourth night, however, the boy showed little interest. Truett spoke to the teen after the service and asked him why he lost interest. The boy answered, my father is a doctor and is the cleverest, strongest, greatest man in the world, but he never goes to church. I decided that if he doesn't need Jesus, then I don't either. 
The next day, Truett went to that doctor's office, and he told, his, he told him what his son said. The doctor asked Truett when the next service was. Tonight, Truett said. The doctor was present, and during the decision time, he came forward and indicated that he received Christ as his Savior. The dad turned to see his son standing right behind him, also making his decision for Christ. The boy embraced his father and said, Dad, I'm so glad you came. I wanted to come to Jesus, but I was waiting on you. Dad, are you helping your kids to follow Christ, to know him? Or are they waiting on you? You know, I shared these things as a father, talking to fathers. But it applies to all of us. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have inherited the most amazing legacy. Whether you are a father or not, whether you have a good relationship with your father or not, no matter what legacy you are currently living, your legacy can change not because of a father, but because of the father. We have everything we need for a lasting spiritual legacy. We have the Father's instruction. We have the Father's correction, and we have the Father's affection. The instruction is right here in his word. It says that we have to believe that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose again after three days. But we have to make a correction. We have to repent. We have to turn away from our sin. We have to put our faith in Jesus. We got to live our lives according to his will. We already have his affection because while we were still sinners, God said he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for all of us. So like Joshua, we all have to, we all have to choose. Who are we going to follow? Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? You know, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you made that decision? Have you made a decision about the gospel message? If not, I'd love to give you the chance to do it this morning. You know, the gospel is simply this, that we were created to live in a perfect relationship with God. But that relationship is broken because of sin. And sin requires that a penalty be paid. The penalty for sin is death. It's eternal separation from God. That's the bad news. But gospel means good news. And the good news is that Jesus, God in the flesh, came to this earth and lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again after three days. He paid the penalty for everyone. Because he did, if you will believe that he died on that cross, that he rose from the dead, if you'll repent, if you'll turn from your sin and trust him for your salvation, 
then we can spend eternity with God in heaven. You just have to accept the free gift that he offers and have salvation. If you believe that today, would you just pray this prayer with me right where you sit? Just pray, Heavenly Father, I want you to know I believe. And Lord, today I want to change my legacy. I want to start it with you, with your instruction, your correction, and your affection. Because this morning I believe that Jesus died for me. He died on the cross for my sins. So this morning, Lord, I just ask for your forgiveness. I ask for Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to lead a life knowing you, serving you, glorifying you. And I want to pass that legacy on. So Lord, I pray that you'll fill me with your love and your life. And I just thank you for loving me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. If you prayed that prayer, no one's looking around, all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, would you just raise a hand? Once you put them up, you can put it down. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the example that you set for us as fathers. Lord, I just pray that they feel encouraged, that they feel uplifted, that they are stepping up to show their families what it looks like to serve you. I just pray for that strength, that wisdom that they'll need to do so. And I pray for all the families here. I pray that you'll just watch over us, that you guide us and protect us. Lord, I pray that we seek your will in everything we do and that we glorify you with all we do. And it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.